I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo, and we have we have just Eddie. It's Teddy Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Marie. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vincent. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo. Choice, and this is another podcast. And I am look. I, I was I'm lucky. I'm the lucky one. I get to talk to coaches, athletes from around the world. And this year's theme, this is 104, by the way, that's a lot. And this year's theme is high school coaches, this falls, high school coaches, and really getting into uh, a little bit more than just their background. We're, we're, we're talking about training, we're talking about boundaries, we're talking about history of rowing. And today, I got a special guest all the way from California. And if you're watching this, you'll see that she looks like she's in Shangri-La. This is like the best backyard I have ever seen. This is Sarah Puticombe from Capital Crew. Puticombe, Puticombe, Puticombe. She's making me, she's, she's breaking me up. But we're going to be talking about her first stroke all the way to where she is today at Capital Crew in California. And Unless you've been living under a rock, capital is fast. So you know she 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 works with a fast crew, but also boundaries and balance. And that goes for all you high school coaches and all you coaches out there. It's a big topic this 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 time, this this era that we're living in. And it's it's boundaries with your relationship with your athletes, boundaries with your personal self and how to step away and when to step away, and then balance of like how do you train these athletes? Sarah, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Happy to be here. So, Sarah, I asked the same question, and I actually don't know the answer. Usually, I do enough research on somebody that I kind of understand, but I don't know enough about you. This is going to be great. How old were you, and where were you when you took that first stroke? Nice. Well, yeah, I'm a California kid uh, through and through. So my first experience with rowing was at the Great Lake Natoma in Rancho Cordova or Gold River, whatever you want to say. And it was the summer of 1994. Um, my sister and I, my sister, I'm going to name drop Mary Whipple. Um, her and I, we, uh, we wanted to do something before high school started. And my mom was like, you know, there's these rowing classes at the lake. Okay. And um, so we did, we took a sculling class summer before freshman year of high school. And while we were there, we found out that there was a high school team and we were just, yeah, blown away. So that was like 94, 95 that year. You're, you're an eighth grader. You're, you're an eighth grader going into seat freshman year, right? And yeah. I, so I don't know much about California in the 90s, right? So, <laughs> so East Coast in the 90s, mm -hmm. um, rowing was, you, you, you either played football or you rowed. Like that was where I grew up. So- yeah. Where did rowing fall in the rankings of it things? Didn't it was it was just that weird sport that was at the lake, you know? It didn't register at all. Um, but what really hooked my sister and I was it was the people there, you know? And I think that's a very common story among everybody. It's like, yo, what got you started? It's like, well, my friend drugged me down or my mom took me there, you know? But then the follow-up question is, well, what kept you coming back? you know, and it was the, the team and the culture and, and the, the work. So that's what really got us excited. The coach now, there at the time was very much, uh, you know, just all about the work and really made working hard fun. 
So you said that you were sculling. So you started sculling. Now your your very famous sister um, was had, was the coxswain for many many years with the national team. Yes. Um, but you started sculling. Like, um, how long did you carry sculling before uh, you made any changes? Was that like throughout your entire <laughs> high school career? No, not at all. It was literally a four day class, and then uh, we literally ran into the coach, and he was like, "Come on out." And we're like, awesome, we're going to be rowers, you know, um, day one, we show up, we're like, hmm, <laughs> there's a lot of big people here. And um, the coach was like, no, you're going to be coxswains. And we're like, no, 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 no. Like, we want to, we want to work, we want to train, we want to row. And um, the coach, Sam Schweitzer, was very good. He was like, no, you're going to be the coxswain when, and we're going to be on land, right, in the 90s, not a big program we had to share a ton of equipment. So we had like designated land days and designated water days. And so um, he sold it. He's like, yeah, when you're on land, you're, you're training, you're, you're, you're part of the team. But you know, when we're on the water, we need you to fill this role. And so uh, we loved, yeah, loved that role. So we were coxswains day one. Yeah. I mean, and you, did you, did you fall in love with that? Was that something that was like easily accepted or, or, what did it take some getting used to uh, being a coxswain and, and managing a team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was so shy. I was so shy. <laughs> I was so, um, yeah, but it was exciting to be given permission to lead, you mm. know, and that's really how he sold that role and how he um, trained his coxswains. You know, he was like the coach, I'm going to give you the directions and it's your voice that needs to be, you know, given to the athletes. And so they, he empowered us right away. Um, the way we were taught, we were thrown into varsity fours. I mean, every Friday it was like dock to dock, you know, like six mile or six K. Um, and you, you had to figure out right away. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't want to jump. So I don't want to jump like um, eras yet, but I just yeah. want to answer this question. Like, do you train your coxswains the same way that this gentleman taught you? Like back then, like you give them permission to lead right away or, or are you a little bit, is that a little bit different these days? It's different these days. Um, there's a time and place. Absolutely. There's a time and place. And I do give them a lot of responsibility um, on the water and, and all that kind of stuff. And I back them up a hundred percent, like a hundred percent. I never throw them under the bus. Like I got their back because they have an extremely difficult job. Um, but I'm also like, I manage, right? I have to manage practice. And so sometimes I, I, well, not sometimes, I micromanage a lot at the beginning until I know that they can carry on without me. And then I give them the reins. So we're going we're, we're to get, we're going to get deeper into that later in this yeah. conversation. So, okay. So I never, I wasn't lucky enough or fortunate enough to have a sibling who wrote, right? So I come home. And I'm talking to a, a, a freaking wall to my parents and my sister who knows nothing about it. My only time I could talk about it was obviously with the rowers that I was part of the team with. So in my in the car going home. But you had a sister that I would imagine at dinner time, at breakfast, at going to bed. Like, were you talking about rowing all the time in your household? Yes and no. Like, absolutely, it was such a positive thing to have a sibling because you could um run things by each other it was mainly like to like on the way to practice on the way home from practice right okay. but then like during dinner and all that like it was just 
I mean, we're, we have two older brothers, you know, like we're just one big family. So, um, time and place boundaries. <laughs> oh, I'm more, we're going to get there. So you, um, you didn't tell me the name of the school that you rode with. Who was, what was the program that you rode in? Oh, it's Capital Crew. It was Capital Crew. Oh yeah. Full circle. I'm yeah. I've done a full circle and I, oh, <laughs> mm -hmm. all right. So high school career. Capital Crew, you graduate like 97, right? 98. Like yep, 98, 98. 98. So you graduate 98. Where do you go next? Where, where does Crew or rowing take you next? Oh, well, so yeah, it was 98, right? NCAA gets elevated in 97. Like this okay. was still uncharted territory. We're in the West Coast, California. Like we had no idea. Like we kind of knew you could get recruited because we had um, we had a teammate Rachel Brunel, who made the national team. Like when I was a freshman, we had like Vanessa Tavalero that um, that I ended up getting to coach with later on. Um, we had some names, you know, that went to Washington, went to Michigan, were on the junior world's team, but we still like had no idea how it worked, like no idea. Um, and so because we had that teammate, I think sophomore or junior year in high school, I don't know, I can't remember. She made the junior national team and she made the eight. And she came home from summer and she's like, Mary, Sarah, like you guys need to go out this summer. Like you are just as good. And so she, it was a teammate that pumped us up and like gave us that confidence to go after it. Um, and so senior year kind of starting to understand. Um, and then uh, I, Mary and I were like, let's do this. Let's do this in college. We had so much fun in high school. Um, I didn't get into Washington. I got denied. Mary got into Washington. And so then I kind of went into like, what am I going to do? I have no idea what I'm going to do. And then my coach at the time, um, Rob Cole was like, I was either going to go to UC Sandy or UC Santa Cruz, like no rowing at all. Or, um, I ended up at UC Davis, um, which, Again, the stars kind of aligned. Had no idea they were Division Two at the time. Uh, no idea I could get a scholarship, you know. And ended up the coach called and was like, "Hey, yeah, I uh, I don't know if you know this, but D two you can get some scholarship money, or they call them grants and aids, you know, as they do." And I was like, "Oh, all right, sounds good." I mean, I got in on my own, like no like no athletic support at all. Just got in on my own, and I was like, "All right, let's do this," you know, and just kind of. Was a walk on recruiter walk on? I don't even know yeah. what you call it anymore. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, you're a walk on. Yeah. I mean, you, walk you, on. yeah, you walked on. You jumped in. You did it. You got, you know, you got the role there at UC yeah. Davis. Um, was there was there a lot of success uh, with that program in the four years that you were there? Yeah, I ended up um, NCA rowing started. Um, my sophomore year was what 2000 year the year 2000 they didn't have separate championships at that time and so as a d2 d3 team you had to get an at-large bid right so they had okay. let's call it like 20 teams and then they had like six at-large boats you know and that was either other d1 teams or there was one d2 team that got invited and then there was three d3 teams that got invited and it was just eight so sophomore year we went we were in Cam Camden and we we're in the third level final but we were like we're gonna catch those d1s you know we were like a length behind like 10 seconds behind like in water but we beat all the other d3 teams so we like called ourselves the d2 national champion or d2 yeah. d3 national champions in 2000 uh 2001 was rough we'll forget about that and then but 2002 we earned um our bid and that was the first year that 
they sponsored D1, D2, D3 championships. And um, my boat won and my team won. So we were the uh, inaugural Division II national champions. And, and that was special because Mary, her uh, team at Washington, her eight one. So it was really special. Like she won her event and I won my event. Like it was so cool. I mean, what your, your parents did something really great. I'm trying to figure out what that is by the end oh of this. <laughs> As I have two children, I'm trying to like, yeah, read their playbook for sure. That Wow. 2002. What a fun, what a fun time in American rowing. I, I say this all the time. I think the best generation of rowing was 96 to like 07, right? Yeah. This 10 years, it was just explosive and fun. And it felt like every year was something new and exciting. And 2002, you guys you both won, right? You both yeah. won, you both won yeah. your perspective. Oh, shit. Uh oh. Sorry. What was that? I got like a waterfall. I have no idea how to turn it off though. I might have to move. Oh my God. Sorry. I hope that- I can hope you hear me you're too loud? No, I can hear you fine. I can hear you fine. Okay. I, just, I hope we don't edit this out because it's so bougie for you to have a waterfall <laughs> in your backyard. Yeah. No, that's how we roll in California. Yeah, apparently at California. Yeah, no, it's fine. It sounds great. All right. So you win this big race. This is the NCAA. Division two champions, inaugural champions, your sister wins D D1 yeah. in the eight. Um, it, at that point, what do you what do you like decide you want to do with your career or your life? You know, you're a senior, you obviously have decisions to make. Like what happens next yeah. for you? Um, I needed a gap year. I mean, and I took a fifth year. I mean, I went, Davis was hard. Um, it, I mean, college is hard. And it was the quarter system, and it just um, it kicked my butt to be completely honest. So I took a fifth year to finish my degree. I was wildlife fish conservation. I was going to be um, a naturalist. I was going to be an educator, a teacher. And so during that time, I ran out of eligibility. Um, I just wanted to have fun again, and I loved my high school experience. So I volunteered uh, coaching with Capital because Davis is about 30, 40 minutes. I only did it like twice a week. Um, but I started coaching, you know, like, so your fifth year, you know, wildlife conservation, like that's yeah. the focus, but on, as a side hustle, you're volunteering your time. You're, you're working with the team that brought you life, right. Gave yeah. you the energy. Um, so you're, you know, 22, uh, but your sister took a different route. So she went, she went national team. Is that, yeah. it's fair to say she, that's, yeah. that's the, she went. were you ever pulled in that direction? Like, did you think, Hey, I would love to stay in a boat. Yes, um, but I was also a realist. There's only one seat, you know? And I mean, I loved being the best fan of the sport, you know? I got to still talk shop with my sister and um, just kind of keep cheering her on and, and encouraging her, you know, and backing her up and supporting her. Like, it was fun. What a... What a uh... So earlier today, I interviewed Holly Hatton, and I can't wait for people to, at this point, they would have already heard the interview, but um, she said the one thing that rowing needs is constant support. So if you're on the dock, even if your worst enemy is coming in and they need help docking, help them out, right? And I love that you just said, I want to be the best fan of the sport. You're yeah. there supporting the team, not just your sister, forget about your sister, you're supporting the USA. Like you're supporting yeah. those women out there that 
at the time were making history. You didn't know that, but they're like, they were making history. Absolutely. Like it was phenomenal. Like she, uh, I think her first team was in 2001 and she was still, we were still athletes in um, college. And then she just kept going back. And I was just like, man, you could go to the Olympics, you know? And we were such process oriented people. And it was just kind of like, sometimes you just have to kind of take a step back and be like, oh my gosh, like this is happening. Um, And so, but then we're always really good at like, no, 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 like don't get ahead. You gotta like take your time, right? Take your steps. Um, And then she made her first team in 04 and you better believe I was booking my ticket and like watching them and just cheering them on just, as much as I could, you know? Gosh, I mean, it took me until I was at least 30 to be excited for my sister's accomplishments. I know that sounds so stupid. (laughs) I was, yeah, I mean, like my sister and I butted heads a lot. She's two years younger than me. And yeah, like I became an adult really at 30 and I was so excited for her successes. Um, Your sister is very fortunate to have had you they're supporting her like that like vice versa versa. i mean she was there pumping me along and singing my praises all the time and you know it was it was it's still yeah she's the best i I love it now okay so 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 where do we go from here you know you're you got you got olympics on one side you got you got your volunteer training at capital like what happens to your career in those early 2000s and then into 2010s Biggest pivotal thing was I was doing a summer dev camp at the aquatic center, right? We did a West coast dev camp there. Um, and we, you know, where we trained some of the best West coast athletes and, you know, the junior team wasn't as organized as it is now. And so we did like, we had a lot of really good athletes that came and trained with us and we went to club nationals and all of that. Um, and so we had recruiters come right. College recruiters would come and ride the launch. And I never forget there was Sarah Nevin, um, when she coached at Cal and um, had coach at um, Mills College and now she's retired and she just finished up back at Cal. And she was like, so do you like coaching? Do you like this? And I was like, yeah, I love it. But, you know, I, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Like I didn't even think of it as a career. It's just something I really enjoyed doing at the time. And then she just kind of looked at me and she was like, what do you think I'm doing? Like." this is my full-time job. Like you can do this as a full-time job. And again, I was kind of like, yeah, mind blown. And so then started coaching at Sac State, went back to my alma mater, Davis, and then um, a position opened up at Cal and I applied and um, started working with Sarah and Evan again. And of course, Dave O'Neill. Wow. I, I mean, this is, it's funny, I, I've heard this multiple times that people either didn't know it could be a career or or just didn't even know how to make it a career, right? right. It's either you didn't know or you don't know where to go, right? There's, it's one or the other. Um, so this sac- is like 2003, 2004. So still, I don't know, it's still transitioning from getting established with NCAA and careers and then, you know, a couple classes, couple cycles. And now it's yeah. like, oh, this is, this is legit. You can have this as a career. Yeah. It's a, it's a big business. It's a business. And, and now programs have two or three assistant coaches and they have the support that you need at, at all levels. Um, so Sacramento state Davis and then Cal, 
Um, you never left the West Coast. No. Was was there like even an inkling, a desire to see what I was on the East Coast over here? Or were you just, you're like, I'm staying where I want to stay? I love the West Coast. <laughs> I Humidity and I don't get along. Um, I know there's a lot of haters with California, but I mean, where I live, I'm 90 minutes from Tahoe, 90 minutes from the beach, like the mountains, like I have it all here. So yeah, you, you, you got everything. It. You got everything. I mean, I, I listen, I'm, I hate myself right now. It's like 85 to 85% humidity. Yeah. It's boiling hot over here. And you're at a waterfall in a pool <laughs> with the sun. Anyway, anyway, yeah. I've just got, I got to point it out again. Um, okay, Cal, you had, yeah. you were surrounded by not only great coaches, but great athletes at that yeah. era. I mean, oh my God. future was, Olympians, the best yeah. in our sport were there. Yes. Um, what was your like fondest memory? What's something that just triggers you every time you think about that time you were at Cal? Um, I think one of the big things was of course, Jill Costello was an amazing coxswain that we lost to lung cancer in 2010. Um, that was such a pivotal moment in my young career. Um, and then when the varsity eight won in 2013, I mean, talk about adversity. And the most important thing was that teammates, like girls that were, had been in that boat, like two weeks prior from pack tens, pack twelves that were now on the shore watching their team win. And they were the first ones just to go and congratulate. Like it was like every year, there was just such a magical team uh, component that like Dave O'Neill's like literally the best in the world at creating um, the culture, not just talking about culture, right? Culture I think is a very hot topic and like tag, you know, yeah. oh yeah, we need culture. Oh yeah, we need it but actually following through and creating it, um, it was the best seat in the house. Like I loved being part of that process. Um, and yeah, there's just so many. How long were you at Cal for? When did you, when did you leave Cal? Eight, I was there for eight years. Um, so I started the spring of 09, right? So 08, 09 was my first uh, year. And then um, I uh, stepped away in 2016. It's a long time. It's a long time to do the program. Yes. And and you already said it. You have you have two children, right? Yeah. So at what point did family and children life come into play? Because like I think I, I will preface this by saying, rowing is such a weird thing sport for to have a a, a significant other, right? Like if if that person doesn't understand rowing, yes, it becomes very challenging to have a successful relationship, right? So. You have family. Like at what point do kids and that start coming into play for you? Well, that was always the topic. I mean, as a young coach trying to establish your career um, and being at um, arguably the most successful program in that era, like at the eight years there, we never finished less than third in the country. Um, That's unreal. That is, that is unreal. Yes, from, uh, I wrote some notes down so I can remember, but from the, the class of 2013 to 2016, right? So that's that whole four-year cycle, finished second, 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 and then won the national championship as seniors. I mean, that was like Kendall Chase and, you know, and all those names. Um, they were just amazing. Um, and so when I first 
started with Dave, uh, I just, I was like, how am I going to do this? Like how? Um, But then luckily and magically him and Nicole had their first child. And that was such a wonderful thing to see um, them achieve that. And then um, to see Dave be so supportive. And so it, it really made it a possibility to have a family and to compete or not compete, but to coach at a high level. having that support from your boss like is listen yes let's say that again like having the support from your boss um and allowing boundaries to be set like it's it was attainable you know sarah um the other day we we made an announcement we hired a a woman here her name is julia and she was the former coach at temple and She's doing something really fun with us. I mean, we're not announcing it yet, but I, I can't wait to announce it. And she's in charge of something that's going to be beautiful. And I remember having a conversation with her saying like, why do you want to leave the coaching world? And, and, and this, is, this is across every program. This is not singling out Temple. She said, all of the assistant coaches I've talked to, um, the ones I'm closest with, work-life boundaries are so challenging, right? Like Holly said to me earlier today, I just really like recruiting has become such a hard thing. You know, it's like a 24 hour job and there's challenges there that are at the collegiate level and, you know, knowing Julia and, 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 but also knowing like Brendan Cunningham in uh, at Drexel, like they tell me work-life balance is really challenging. Mm -hmm. It's really challenging at the collegiate level. So we'll get into boundaries. You and I will get into boundaries, but let's get to it. So 2016, 2017 season, you decided you're leaving, you're leaving Cal and you're moving on. Like, where do you take your talents? Where do you head next? Yeah. So it was the uh, 15, 16 season. We had just won the national championship and I just had my second child. Um, Had wanted to have the child in November, but you know, life is life and ended up having my daughter um, March 19th, 2016. Like, <laughs> you know, just casual spring break day. Nothing happens on spring break during uh, rowing, right? No, so, I mean, I was like, holy moly. And we were having such a magical season. And you can just kind of feel it. Like I've I've been a privilege of being many on many championship teams um, as an athlete, as a coach. And yeah. when you feel like you have a legitimate shot at running for that national championship or that team title, um, there is a sense of magic on that team and you can just kind of feel the leadership is coming from the athletes and you know you're just getting these lineups that you're like I don't know why this lineup's working but it is on fire like let's keep this magic right I'm Um, I'm getting excited (laughs) it's so exciting um and so yeah so I'm I very pregnant and I was like okay like if everything goes well like first child everything was great I was like, okay, I'll have this baby. And then um, I'm just going to take two weeks. I don't want to come back. I'm like, we are just like, I'm feeling it this season. Like we are doing great. Um, and so, yeah, um, I came back probably sooner than I showed up, but um, it was just such a great experience. And so we won and then then go right into summer camps. And then I was just like, what am I doing? <laughs> I've got this like... <laughs> through two month old, three month old and just hitting the pavement. And 
Um, you talked about having a partner, right? So my husband, I call him my civilian. He's a civilian. He doesn't know rowing, you know, and, and that is part of, um, what's so amazing, but yeah, I've seen relationships crumble, you know, like it's part of the reason why I never left to California. It's like my husband's a firefighter and, um, in the, uh, early 2000s and whatnot, like it was so competitive, so competitive to try to get a fire job um, in this area. And so um, he finally got his uh, job um, with San Jose and um, I call him my ball and chain, but I love him to death. And they're like, well, why don't you? I was like, I got a ball and chain. Like, where am I supposed to go? Like with the fire service, you can't just, tra- they're like, why don't you just transfer? I was like, because then he loses his seniority it's all over again and he's got a really good job and i'm loving it here so we're in uh the east bay not not cheap right very expensive and i'm like associate head coach at cal now but still not making what i'm worth right all the assistant coaches again shout out to uh bosses like fight for your assistant coaches, your salaries, their uh, bonus structure was very good at Cal. Um, and so, you know, if we had a winning, or when we had our winning seasons, it was worth it. And working the summer camps was like, it made a living wage. But uh, again, you're always asking yourself at what cost? at what cost, you know, you're making more, but you're working more. No, I, I, I haven't figured that part out yet. I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring out what costs. You know, I think a lot of us are. I think a lot of younger 20s and 30-year-olds are figuring out yeah. what so my, my husband asked me that. He's like, what are we doing? He's like, I'm so proud that you guys won, but, like, you guys have won a lot. Like, how much, pretty much, like, how much more do you need to do? And my ego was like, what are you, you're asking me to step away. You know, like, it was a hard, hard conversation. But now that I'm on the other side, oh, best decision ever. But in the moment, like I, 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 some of these co- young coaches and my peers and some of my, my mentors are, you know, they call me and I'm like, I get it. Like it is in the moment, it is the hardest decision. Cause you have that ego gnawing at you, you know, you want yeah, to prove I, everything, but at the same time you have to be like, to who, like, who am I proving this to? Like, I, I'm, I'm writing. I, so I'm taking notes and yeah. talk here and I'm like, I guess, I guess the ego plays it does play so much of what we do. Absolutely. And so that is what I really tried to tackle as I was going after balance. You know, my biggest fear too was losing my community. And I was like, if I step away, mm. AKA quit, right? Let's call it what it is. If I quit. That's a nasty word. That's right? a nasty word. Well, if I quit, am I going to lose my community? Like, am I going to lose my peers? Am I going to lose my credibility? Like that was a huge thing I had to tackle. Um, but then I realized like, no, like I get to come back, like the community, like for better, for worse. And I always like to think of it as better. The rowing community is always there. It's always there. Yes. Yeah. Charles is always happening. San Diego crew classic is always happening. The Henley, like, all of that, like it's all there. So once I realized that, then it really freed me up and um, I'm having a blast coaching, helping athletes on their journey. Like um, my mom nailed it though. My mom nailed it. She was like, 
some people work their whole life to achieve their dreams. She's like, you had your dream job early. Enjoy it. And I was like, you're right. Again, you, hard to swallow. <laughs> what did you, uh, well, when, when did you accept that reality? When did, when did your mother say that? And when did you say, yep, she's totally right. At what point? That was summer of 2016. That's when you, you were like, yep, got it. Yeah. So we put our house on the market. You know, we were fortunate. We got to buy a house um, in 09 during the pitfalls of the economy. And um, we say we won the lottery then. And we laughed. We're like, the house is never going to go up that high again. And we're by, yeah, that, that's why I'm back here. <laughs> so we're right, moving so back home. You, lit, you, you leave Cal the summer of 16. Um, yeah. where, where do you go next? Where's, where's the career take you? What's going on? Well, there was a job opening for the varsity men at Capitol. And I was like, huh, that'd be interesting. Like, no expectations. You leave women's rowing. You're going to go coach high school boys, like clean slate. And then during the interview process, uh, they rearranged some things. And I ended up getting to coach the women, which, yeah, 2017, spring 2017, coming back home. Um, which is great because my parents still live here. So now I've got, I've got my daycare, right? That's, that's a huge reality. My daycare is paid for. I've got my support. I'm building my village, you know, I'm building my team. <laughs> and you have to, if you want it all, sometimes you can't have it all right now, but you need that support. You need those. Yeah. So I have my, my, my daycare settled. And then my husband goes to work for two days and he comes home for four. And um, I get to coach at the Sac State Aquatic Center on, I get to be on Lake Natoma every day. You know, uh, I, I've, been, I've been to your facility. I think it's beautiful. Um, I had met Chris Leonard there, mm -hmm. uh, swung by there in 2020 pandemic. Oh. This is like fall of 2020, I was there. Oh. The dark, uh, the dark era. The dark era. We, we don't talk about that here at Rower's Choice, but uh, you know, I, I swung through. I got to, I got to really get a sense of like the scale, yeah, and the beauty. I mean, I would say probably the best way to describe where you row is just beauty. There's mm -hmm. everything you want is an arm's reach. Now you're going on five, six years. You're you're, you're approaching your sixth year with the program. You're back to where you started. You said you were building your village. I mean, this is this sounds like a place that you're going to spend most of, if not the rest of your career there. Is that safe yeah. to say? Yeah. I mean, my children are happy. They're at wonderful public schools that are top rated. Um, as you can see, I'm living in a pretty legit house. It's gorgeous. We have a boat. We're five minutes away from Folsom Lake. So we have a wakeboard boat. We go surfing on it. Um, and you said it earlier, like when like recruiting's never done, but like with, I have chosen when I leave the boathouse, I leave the boathouse. I shut the door and I have zero guilt. Let's talk about that. What a transition. Yeah. So um, a lot of news, there's been a lot of news, especially in the DC area uh, about some men preying on young women. There's yeah. no boundaries, okay? So there's two kinds of boundaries. There's the boundaries that you set for yourself Yes. In, in training and coaching. And I want to get into that too, but there's also boundaries with your, your athletes and social media, text messaging, all that. There's like, there's so many 
weird areas and it makes me sick having three kids myself. Yeah. Let's talk about how important boundaries are. Let's start with you coach to coach. So how do you set your boundaries as the head coach with the assistant coaches? What are some really important things for other people to realize or know? Yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, just open communication and honesty. Um, and then of course, with social media, it's just like, hey, we, we can't be friending. Like an adult should not be friending. In my opinion, an adult should not be friending a minor. Yeah. You know, even if you have your own coach account and this and that, like it, it, it really is hard because like, how do we communicate otherwise? You know, like you do have to um, set those boundaries, but I'm always constantly reminding my assistant coaches and whatnot, avoid one-on-one -on -one conversations, always include another adult, always include another um, coach. Um, you know, this is something I learned at Cal as well, even though, you know, you're dealing with adult athletes, but you're still dealing with um, power and authority, you know, power struggles and, and whatnot imbalances. And you're always are asking like, what did I say? Most importantly, what did you hear? And what are you going to take away from this conversation? Um, because everything gets lost in translation and text messages. Um, you know, you try and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations, but even in one-on-one -on -one conversations, you can see it sometimes. Like when someone's like, you're not really listening to me. You're, you're trying to like formulate a response. Oh, like oh. listening to me. You're trying to formulate a response to what I'm saying. So that's why I really like, to, yes, I'm like, okay, what did you hear? Like, what are three things you're going to take away from this conversation? And like, how are we going to implement them? You know, like when we're having those like coach athlete conversations. Yeah. Now, um, I run into this, uh, I, you know, I'm a business owner and I think, I think being a business owner is very similar to being a head coach of a, of a, of a rowing program. Uh, there are many similarities and I catch myself communicating to my team, my, my, the, my employees late at night. And my wife said like, why don't you like scale back? And so mm -hmm. what is it? So what advice do you have for program leaders communicating specifically with their coaching staff because they shouldn't be on 24 7 I, I don't think they should be yeah. so how do you how do you communicate uh, an ever-changing program uh with your staff how do you do that um honestly I I try to honest yeah I just try to be as respectful as possible and just everything can wait like literally everything can wait. Like I do write things down a lot because I'll, I will come up with like ideas. I'm like, Oh, I need to say this or, Oh, I need to like refer to this. I just write it down. Um, so that we can talk about it when we meet. I mean, we, we meet up as a staff two hours before practice and that is the time to talk things out. Like, you know, when we leave, we leave. If I communicate via text message, I always try to include like all my staff. Right. I never like to do like a one-on-one. -on -one. I try and do like two or three in like a group text situation. Um, I forget a lot, but I try to copy people. Like that? What's that? So do they like that? Does your, does, um, have you gotten positive feedback from your coaching staff by having this methodology and, and the way you do things? Like two hours before you meet, you talk, you try yeah. to get everyone incorporated. Is, is it positive feedback from that? I don't get negative feedback. So, so, then, yeah. so then, yeah. then I, get, I get negative feedback when they're like, well, no one told me that. I'm like, Ugh, you're right. Sorry. Like this happened yet. You know, like you just kind of catch people up. Um, I see positive feedback and results, you know, um, 
and how we work together as a staff. Now, how about a personal um, boundaries? You said it earlier. You said, when I leave the boathouse, I leave it. You know, that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, I, I, I am, I struggle with anxiety all the time and I can't stop. I can't turn my brain off with oh. this stuff that I do. So, so what, what are some of your secrets or what do you do? How do you do that? How do you, how do you remove yourself uh, when you, when you leave the boathouse? Um, I just try and be present with my, whoever's with me, you know? Um, I, I mean, I, again, intentional versus follow through, like I'm on my phone, like I'm, I'm doing this and that, but like, and I'll read, I'll read some emails, but I make a, a conscious effort. Like, no, you know what? I'm not, I can't, I can't start this response now because then it's, I'm going to go there. And, and I just, it's hard. Cause I do, I think about rowing all the time. I love it. Um, you know, I'm doing like lineups in my head. I'm like trying to think like we had our first day yesterday. I'm trying to be like, okay, how am I going to do this and that? Um, it's hard. It is. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm writing down what you're saying. I'm, I'm like trying to formulate, I guess I'm trying to use you for help. Trying to like, yeah. You know, how, how, how can I do it? You, you said it yourself, you said um, you're present in the moment with whoever you're with, right? You try to be present and I'm imagining it's your husband, it's your, it's your parents, it's your kids, you know, like you're, you're trying to be present there. Um, but like, so I guess, I guess it really, I hate to say this, it depends on the person. Like I know people that that have won national championships. That's that's like that's all they do. It's all they think about. It's twenty four seven for them. And I've and I've met people who Mike Wallen is a good example. He just won the national championship in the women's eight, and he really sets boundaries. I mean, he when he walks away, he walks away. Um, I guess it really comes down to like your leadership skills, right? Um, and 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 the words you do use. It doesn't have to be volume of words. It just needs to be specific word choice. Is that a fair statement to make? Yes, absolutely. Because yeah, I mean, I work with coworkers who are considered full time, and then I'm rolling, I'm rolling in, right? Like people are like, "Oh, you just roll in." I'm like, "Well, it's reality of my life." Like I was just doing like drop off, pick up, getting everything organized in this area of my life. Now I got to compartmentalize, and now I'm fully present at practice. When I clock in, I'm in. Um, and I try to be as productive as possible and intentional as possible. Yeah, intentional. That's a good word. I like that word. Um, boundaries on, I want to get back to boundaries on communication with, uh, with athletes. Yeah. Um, I am, I don't know if terrified is the right word, but I'm very uh, weary about where my children go and train and work out and the relationships that they have with the, with the coachings. And, and now I, I, it's like a lot of walking on eggshells. I mean, there's some, there's some hard things to, to manage there. Um, can you give me some advice or the, are the people listening like advice for, let's say the 22 year old coach that's brand new at coaching, who's three or four years removed from these athletes. Like what are some things that they can do to make sure that they're being correct and that they're doing the right thing and that they're not stepping over boundaries. Avoid one-on-one. Like, if, if athletes text me, right? I'm not, I'm not saying like I have like a no contact, right? Uh, athletes text me all the time. I try to keep things as concise. And then I'm like, let's talk about this at practice. You know, like, hey, I get it. Or, hey, coach, do you have time to talk right now? Like, I'll get that text. Hey, do you have time to talk? Mm -hmm. And if it's during 
the season, I'll say, you know what? I don't have time right now, but let's, can we meet up after practice? Yeah. You know? And so I try and make that very like, I, yeah. Like, Hey, I'm not going to be here. Great. Mark it on the Google doc. You know, like I, I have like different forms that, um, that has, everyone has access to, I'm like, put it there, you know? So I, I, I my response is more just factual, um, never trying to like validate or confirm. It's more like redirect and come up with a plan. Are these things that you talk about with your staff before the start of the year? Not as much as I should. Yeah, not as much as I should, but. Well, uh, how, how often do you cycle out your coaches or, or how often do your coaches find different jobs or they move on or like how, yeah. what's your. Um, I've had, well, since I've been, so it's 2017, 18 and 19, uh, I had same staff for two years. And then I had, yeah, about every two years. Every two years. Yeah. yeah. Now let's get into the boundaries of training and, and, and setting and setting goals. So um, I, I, going back, just because it's so fresh in my memory, Holly Hatton was telling me that she still has Chris Kors Korzanowski's training plans from the eighties and she still incorporates them with her training. But you, you said something before we started this podcast, I, I, I just, what's your take on training the athletes, the volume and, 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 and making corrections? I, I think you have to read your audience, you know, you have to read your audience. Um, I mean, of course, our job is to push and to elevate and, you know, to, to bring a team up. Um, but uh, you also have to be aware of where they're starting and then where we want to go. And so then you have to just really um, just kind of do some checks and balances along the way. Like I, I mentioned before, like I'm very process oriented, you know, I'm always thinking there's the art and there's the science, you know, the science is the volume. We need this certain many, you know, meters in this and that, but then there's the art. It's like, how are we feeling? What's going on? You know, like try to take the temperature of the room, you know, without really asking too much. Um, so yeah, I try to read the room very well and, and see, um, and in trial and error, I mean, I was really excited the season of 22, right? We had just come off of like, no, no team activity. It's all small group in 2020. Right. Uh, no, no, 2020 canceled, right? May or March. Uh, and then 2021, it was just odd. It was just small groups, just kind of, you know, an activity basically, rather than um, a team. We try to create a team as much as we can, but it was reality. And then uh, 2022 was like, oh, we're back. Like, and so spring break, I fried the team. I fried them. I'm gonna own it. Oh, we did so many meters. Um, and it was a young, I mean, I had like a couple of really good seniors, but um, from the majority, it was a bunch of novices, bunch of first years and fried them. I mean, we got a lot of work in and it was fun. And it was, I mean, they loved it. And I was like, yeah, they're loving this. And then we had a race a week later. I was like, that's fine. Like we got plenty of time to recover before champs. And then I was like, oh dude, we're, I cooked them. I cooked them too, <laughs> because I did. I just kind of like, it was, it got caught up. I was like, volume, volume, volume. We need to catch up, right? We need to catch up. Like I didn't like stay true to like what, I kind of just should have trusted my gut. 
I, uh, I mean, I love that you got caught up in Friday. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's okay. The ego, you know, you, you brought it up before. That is a recipe for disaster for an ego. You know, it's an ego. Guess what? You, you screwed up, you know, and, and having the ownership of it is so important. Like, you know, you had, I don't know how many kids you have on your team, but you know, let's say like you, you know, you, you didn't ruin anything, but they didn't have the season that they wanted. Right. And it's all, I think we did fine. Um, but you could tell, like, it was like, it was a lot of work at the end of the season, keeping it light, keeping it fresh. And, you know, sure. like, did we cook them? I think we cooked them. Like, what? Like, you know, just kind of like, <laughs> I, I, I could just, I could see, I, I, I can see it right there getting all fired up middle of spring training and you're doing like 20k a day and they're like oh, no. yeah. <laughs> 15 year olds you know who had never <laughs> rode before i'm like oh we can do this we're gonna go around the lake twice oh. so as the so as the in your position yeah where do you focus your attention do you focus on the novice or do you focus on the varsity um the 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 u19s now the u19 so you 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 okay you you, you put it there okay. yeah, yeah yeah um all right so what what advice do you want to give now you said a lot of things but let's 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 bring it into like a couple sentences or you know a couple paragraphs here of like what advice do you have for that that fresh coach just starting out let's say they're three or four years in, they're about to get that head position, they're, they're moving into the high school level. What advice do you have for total? Just give me like the Sarah top five, top 10 things of advice. Top 10, um, be authentic, be you. Don't try to do someone else's program. Yep. Be authentic. Um, and like, never forget your, like, your why. Like, why are you doing this, you know? Um, and then um, just be honest, like just, I think integrity and just be honest. I think that's the hardest thing. And I, I struggle with that too. And, and I'll, I'll explain why um, I'm, I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm like, oh yeah, you could do this, you know? And then you just have to be realistic with goals and um, don't tell a parent, oh yeah, I can get your kid recruited or, oh yeah, I can do this and that. Oh, oh, we're going to be a top 10 team. No problem. Like what? Like, that's very bold. <laughs> you know? Very bold statement. Like just be really like realistic um, with where you are and where you want it and where you can take your team. Now, you said, you said um, you were going to tell me why, I guess, with the honesty. Yeah. So like, what's, give me the, give me a backstory on that. Honest and integrity. Um, just don't miss, like, I don't like it. What I hear coaches all the time, like, oh, we need new equipment. That'll make us faster, you know, or, oh, we need this yeah. and that. Like, you know, just like you're in a, a power position and you have a lot of authority and a lot of influence. And so that's why I just like be really honest and truthful with what you need from parent support, what you need from like we have a boosters board. Like don't overpromise, don't overcommit, you know? Like that's where I've wanted to define like be honest. You I know, totally we sense. need this, we need these fancy orlocks to make us faster. It's like really you need like anyway, yeah. 
I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna continue that road. <laughs> oh, I, I I agree. I uh, need all that equipment to tell you that like little Susie at three seats not pulling hard. Like <laughs> you you said, don't forget your why. Yeah. What is Sarah's why? I'll be a student of the sport. Like do it because you love to work hard. You know, we're not in a glamorous sport. We're not in a, we're not in, I mean, even Mary Whipple, you know, like <laughs> Olympia three time, like double gold medalist, like all this and that. And it's like, just be humble, you know, be humble and uh, just remember your why, because like, or this isn't for fame and glory. This is. So, what, so what's, what, it, what is your why? What, what is your why? Why do you get out of bed every day? Why do you take your kids to school? You coach capital. Like, Oh yeah. I love the challenge. I mean, I love the puzzle. I love educating. I love teaching. I love um, a Dave O'Neill ism. Like we're just regular people, but when we come together, we're doing something extraordinary. You know, um, it's just, yeah, seeing what you can create is just fascinating to me. Do you have, do you have the, the desire, the dream, the goal to get back to 2016 and winning a national championship? Like, do you want to see, is that like a big part of what drives you as well as like getting capital women's aid yeah. to come to first? I want the eight. Yeah. I mean, we were making such good momentum. I mean, 2017, we came back, Capital Women qualified in the eight, first time in a long time. Like we're talking like since like the or like probably 99 or 2000 or something. And then um, qualify, and then we won our regionals in 2018, 2019, and, and came in sixth in the country in a very fun race. Um, and then 2019, we go, uh, we finish second and then we get back, you know, so we're building really good momentum with the eight, becoming a legit top 10 program just because of our work ethic and stuff. And then just got the wind knocked out of us in 2020, you know. I was looking at my seniors. My seniors this year were the COVID novices. They didn't get a spring in 2020. They didn't get to race in 21. Their first racing season was last year. And I'm like, holy moly. Like they're heart and soul of our team right now. Like talk about grit with that class. <laughs> yeah, I guess if you're like a freshman, your first race is like a COVID, like, oh my God, you know, yeah. your first race is coming off of and California, I, look, I, I know you love that that state, but <laughs> I think they could have handled it much differently in COVID in 2021 and 2020. I mean, geez Louise, there was that was a big talk in rowing about how some of the fastest teams in the country were handling it. Yeah. And that was a struggle because like, it is an off year. You, you have an asterisk next to 2021 and 2020. Well, 2020 didn't exist, but yeah. you, know, you didn't see the top programs. Um, you know, this year, um, look, this is a selfish thing, but Rower's Choice came out with the rankings, the high school rankings. And that was like a really, I thought that was a really fun thing. Um, and like, and seeing that um, it is, is, did that impact your kids at all? I'm, I'm very interested. I haven't had a chance to talk to a lot of coaches. Did that impact them at all in um, their motivation? No, uh, I appreciated it. I loved it. I think it's kind of cool. Um, but the way I used it, I used it as validation of what we're doing at our home 
it's it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, I'm not a big um like it's rowing, it's all offense. There's no defense. Like it, it was very much a validation of, hey, what we're doing, trust the process. Like we're, we're building some speed and we're getting in some races, you know? Um, but the minute you start focusing on other teams or what other people are doing, I think that is where you can get yourself in trouble. Like just have confidence, and courage of what you're doing is, is what you need to be doing. Are you, uh, you know, you had, we talked about this, you had this big momentum of, of having 2017, a wave of 2019, getting better in 2000, you know, um, are you getting glimpses of that experience from, from, from Cal? Like, are you starting to see your team develop those same characteristics that you had uh, in 2013 to 2016? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, I, I can kind of recruit, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, who's showing up on September 6th, we get all our first years, you know, and, and we, we run clinics and, you know, I, I, I understand the best recruiting tool is our current athletes and our current parents, you know, it's like, Hey, like we, we need some athletes, like, let's go find some athletes. Um, and, uh, so honestly, like we, like, the pandemic was not kind at all. And so we're like, I feel like we're starting to ground zero, like all that institutional knowledge, our numbers are just not there um, mm -hmm. in terms of um, athletes and whatnot, but it's coming back, it's coming back. So um, I'm excited for the challenge. How does, uh, you know, last question here, how does, uh, how does next year look for you? We got the fall season just starting, you're, you, you just said you started yesterday, right? You're, you're, yeah. First practice. Um, are you more excited than ever? Are you like, how are we feeling for next year for capital next year? What's what's the what's the forecast look like? I'm going to keep it real. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> We're so young. We're so young. And like I said, my seniors are amazing. Um, but they're young as well. Like they were the pandemic uh, first years, you know, so um, we're going to just try and keep it as fun as possible and the way i like to define fun right is it doesn't have to be fun for it to be fun um hard work you know be a good teammate be the team that people want to cheer for right i'm, I'm stealing all of dave o'neill's secrets here or not secrets but isms um but it, it's it speaks to my heart and soul like be the team people want to cheer for um and uh just race with your heart and have fun Oh my gosh, Sarah, I had a blast here. This this was everything that I needed to finish up my Tuesday afternoon. I really hope you enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. Fun. It's a lot of fun. Who doesn't love talking about rowing? I, I know, right? I could talk about rowing all day. <laughs> I actually do. <laughs> that's, like, that's my job. Well, anyone tuning in or watching, if, if you didn't fall in love with Capital Crew, I, I don't think you were paying attention. This is a fantastic story about someone who found rowing in 1994, uh, sculling, four-day camp, and, and built a fantastic career with some of the best coaches and some of the best teams to ever come out of California. Um, this, is, this trend is continuing. You're going to get more from us next week, again, with the high school uh, circuit, and then also a little bit deeper into how these coaches do their job. Sarah, thank you for being here. You're welcome. And catch more Rower's Choice podcast next week. Sarah, you got one more thing. Go ahead, say it. I said, and go capital. <laughs> <laughs> go capital. 
more from us next week. See you.